0: My story starts a bit like a weather chart, full of highs and lows. Mad, misfit, mercenary or missionary. She said to me, you are lucky. Our friends held us up as the perfect odd couple. I knew this guy was the devil. I had goosebumps running all down my body. And that was the point. That was the moment.
1: Hey, my name's Jessong, and it's great to be in your ears thanks to another podcast episode from Spun. We're a live storytelling night based in Darwin, and you can find us sweating at the very top of Australia's Northern Territory as we wait very patiently for the rains to arrive. Now, I don't know if you've heard of Catherine, but it's a town 320 kilometres south of Darwin. It's where the outback meets the tropics, thanks to majestic spots like Nipmaluk Gorge and waterfalls and hot springs that burst through the landscape. Catherine is the NT's third largest town, and Jacinta Mooney is one of the 6,300 residents who call this place home. Jacinta's story is a very personal one. It's about falling in love and the heartache of having to draw lines in the sand when it comes to dealing with addiction. The first
0: time that I um, saw the man that I ended up marrying, I was teaching at a high school in Darwin, and he was as well. But the first time that I actually saw him, um, I was doing yard duty or something, one of the pleasures of being a high school teacher. and uh, it was at, you know the early morning shift or something or other. Bell had already gone, I was doing bus duty, and I saw this old car come sort of racing. Uh, into the car park, an old sort of station wagon, you know, sort of screamed in, and uh, this guy sort of jumped out, you know, no shoes on, opened the back door, um, looked like he had sort of essays or papers spilling out of a Woolies shopping bag, uh, was s- sort of scavenging the back seat, the floor for some shoes, you know, threw them on, and then ran towards the fa- you know humanities faculty, and um, I was hooked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was pretty intrigued. When I saw Cam and that sort of chaos sort of ar- around him, I was intrigued. He 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 asked me out and uh we went out a couple of times. He was hilarious. Um he's uh, a great orator and uh, he made fun of everything including himself and uh, he was yeah, he was hilarious. However, I did notice that He was quite a big drinker. And so on those couple of dates, me being prudent, think I am, sort of thought, "Mm, no, I don't don't know, I'm really interested, but I think... And I said to him, look, I think you've got a drinking problem. He says, don't be backward and coming forward. Anyway, I I said, look, yeah, I'm not interested. And I I left it at that. Um, He... Was constantly you know sending me texts and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. It was a very big school and I was in a different faculty, and so we didn't our paths didn't really cross. He was very persistent, I was persistent, didn't respond. Next thing I hear, he's going, well, the rumors at school were that he had gone to a rehabilitation place in Sydney. Uh, he was still contacting me, you know, and on his return we, we started going out. And it was uh, fabulous. It was, um, yeah, it was fantastic. And I guess I had a couple or two or three long-term relationships where I, you know, had partners that were wonderful. They were kind and gentle and patient. And um, my friends would say, why don't you marry Phil? You know, I'd say, he's beautiful, but I don't don't know, you know. I I don't know. When I met Cam, you know, after I sort of got to know Cam, I knew that he was the one he was the one found him found him so we um we got married and uh we were deliriously happy i felt so incredibly uh safe with cam and so um supported and he was so attentive in fact you know, he's barely ever said you know a crossword to me he was never harsh with with his words never um You know, the wedding was in Melbourne in Brunswick and we had a 10-piece funk band because Cam was a, a musician himself and we had, you know, paper pineapples hanging from the bar and plastic flowers on the table and I had these big, wide, funky, black, really wide black pants on and, you know, it was about 200 people. It was just, you know, a blast and I was so, so happy and he was so happy and, oh, my God, it doesn't get better than this. Four weeks after our wedding, we went to Ethiopia as you do, and uh, for two years, and we went as volunteers, and um, yeah, Cam was, we had a wonderful time, he loved the history, of course, and all the people that we met, you know, loved Cam because he's interesting, and um, he's smart, and funny, and I just, you know, remember often Cam saying how that I was the most important thing in his life, and, you know, everything would be all right, and... Um, And I I just, uh, you know, I have images of walking in Addis Ababa. There's three million people in in Addis Ababa and there's throngs of people. And he's very tall, Cam. And and I just remember his hand, you know, coming feeling for my hand behind me and sort of pulling me through these throngs of people or in the rural areas where it's quite undulating and I've got quite a bad back. And, you know, he would be sort of pulling me up these, these sort of hills. Maybe they weren't quite hills, but, you know rises um and so yes i just felt that i could rely on him just you know so much and yeah we were so happy when we were in ethiopia we made a a massive decision to um adopt a child and uh we were very anti it when we went over but we actually had no real understanding you think you, you understand things until you're actually in in the culture and so we adopted um, a child while we were there. So fast forward, we we're back in Melbourne, and you know we set up a house, and we're in a weatherboard house in the suburbs in, in Coburg, in Melbourne. Incredibly happy. We worked. We just got back from Ethiopia. We got work, of course, in the worst two public high schools in the northern suburbs, and it you know. I was years in therapy after that. But we were very, very happy. And, um, you know, we yeah, did a bit of a reno in the house. Um, I had all these, you know, plans of set up house. I unpacked Nana Mooney's dinner set that I've never, ever unpacked, having lived in about 22 share houses in my life. Unpacked that and, yeah, we set up camp. So um, it was a complete uh, shock to me when, in the middle of the night... Cam woke up uh, screaming in pain and I rushed him to the hospital. I had no idea that this would be the beginning of the end. So, as it turned out, Cam had a perforated bowel and the surgeon said to me, septicemia has set in and we have to work quickly. So, the the operation was a success and um, he, he got through. It turned out that Cam confessed to me uh, at this point, that he had been using codeine. So codeine, um, you can purchase a um, painkiller. So his painkiller of choice was Panafin Plus. It's got about 12 milligrams of codeine in it and ibuprofen. And it, um, it sort of works like a morphine. It's an opiate. I had no idea. I had no idea. And I was shocked at my naivety. At this stage, Cam... Um, wasn't teaching anymore, I was teaching full-time and he was doing his master's in psychoanalysis so there's volumes of Freud and Jacques Lacan lying all around the place and so he was home a lot and um, my daughter was at school, um, so obviously he'd been um, taking this codeine and when people take codeine they take a lot so he would take uh, 30 or 60 He'd get, you know, a tab. It's a very cheap drug. I'm not advocating this in any way, but uh, the reality is, it's very cheap. So you can go to a chemist and get eight dollars' worth of Panafam Plus, and you pop all the tabs out, and you take them down in one hit. Then you, you need more and more, of course, because your body body craves it. So I, being the Catholic, go say, "Oh my God! Right, we've got a second chance. This has happened, but no, it's okay because we've, we've you know, we've been given a second chance. We can beat this. You know, we're, we're going to be right." Four weeks after that operation, I came home from work one night, and the mail was sitting on the kitchen table, and I, you know, picked up one. It was a bank statement, and I went to open it, and Cam grabbed, the the other, you know, grabbed it as well, and pulled it from me. I looked him in the eyes, and I knew uh, we were in trouble. We were in big trouble. Uh, I opened that bank statement, and there's all these chemist entries. You know, so you have to chemist shop. So, you know, we lived in Coburg, so there's, you know, there might be one Coburg and then the next day he was at Frankston and this, you know, there's, oh, my God, right? This is four weeks after the man nearly died. And I need to say that, you know, when Cam and I got together after he'd come out of rehab, Cam never had a drop of alcohol. Not a drop. He was as straight as a die. So this, of course, was a shock. I slept in my daughter's bedroom that night thinking... This is this is out of control now, and I'm frightened. I'm terrified. I'm terrified because it's like your partner has um, another lover, and you know I I've blamed myself. I thought I, um, you know, if I was more beautiful, or if I was you know better in bed, or if I you know it was something, but. But we were very happy that you know we never we never argued we we laughed all the time. it was just you know inexplicable. It obviously broke it broke my heart. I still to this day have never seen cam take one codeine tablet, not one. it's all secrets, it's all secrets and lies. I had to draw a line you know in the sand somewhere and think i can't the trust is gone i you know you you you've, you keep choosing that over. Um, our daughter and, and myself and I'm not going to live like this, I can't live like this I, I, you know please, you know Cam, get it together and uh, he didn't, so I remember driving out of out of Melbourne and uh, we were coming up to Catherine and I had wonderful friends up here and support up here, I'd lived here before so we were coming back and I thought that you know, us leaving would make Cam Get it together. And I don't regret um, meeting Cam. I, he was the absolute love of my life, but he's an addict. And I'm just very grateful that I had that experience, I had that love, and that I had the sort of courage to, to draw a line and, and leave. And hopefully that example will work for my daughter and that she will also know when to draw a line.
1: Jacinta shared her story a few years ago when we headed down the track to Catherine for a pop-up Spun event. And at Spun, our storytellers are everyday people. They're not professional writers or performers, but instead they're teachers, mechanics, disability workers, meteorologists, journalists and retirees. They put themselves and their lives on the line, and we ask a lot of them to dig in, to reveal and share with strangers a moment in time that altered their trajectory. It takes a lot to walk out on that stage, heart about to be exposed, but it doesn't take long before our storytellers realise they're standing in the hands of a strong, safe, empathetic audience, and they just saw So hopefully you might be able to make it to Darwin to one of our live events and you can find out more about us by visiting our website, spunstories.net. You heard story production by Johanna Bell in this episode with sound editing by Rosa Ellen. Gaia Osborne was behind sound production and music came from Lajlo Hassani. Darwin International Airport provides funding support to get the stories from our tropical town out wandering. The Larrakia people are the traditional custodians of the lands on which we gather to connect through story here in the Top End. We're grateful to and we acknowledge their contribution to the story-rich place that we get to call home. My name's Jessong. Thanks for listening.